Hey everyone, Jason Torchinski here. And first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks to our new sponsor, Marble. Marble? We got we got a rock to sponsor our podcast? <laughs> no, David. Marble with a capital M. It's the only all-in-one app for managing your insurance policies and getting rewarded for it. Okay, all right. Well, I have a bunch of cars that I think they're all probably insured, so this could help. Probably not, but Marble's great. It's fast and it's easy to set up as it'll put all of your different insurance policies in one place for you. It's free, which we love around here, being cheapskates, and it will automatically alert you if your rates are going to increase, probably with some kind of really loud sound. Once you set it up, you don't have to do anything as it does it for you, like a robot trained to monitor insurance. And you get marbles, which you can redeem for rewards or use to donate to charity. A marble spewing robot. Whew, that sounds great. How many marbles did you get from it? I got, let's see, two, 900 marbles. Uh, what do you do with that many marbles? I just put them all on a Target gift card. Okay, what'd you do at Target? What'd you get? I got a big uh, crap load of Hot Wheels. I assume for uh, your child? Yeah, yeah, sure, for my child. Mm, okay, well, anyway, um, okay, that sounds good. I like Hot Wheels. Uh, where do I sign up? So you just go to joinmarble.co slash Autopian and you start adding your policies. And not only will you be supporting this podcast, you will also get rewarded just for being a real adult and keeping on top of your insurance. Joinmarble.co slash Autopian, is that right? Yes, David. That's joinmarble.co slash Autopian. Welcome back to the Autopian Podcast. And boy, are we glad you're here. All right, welcome to the Autopian Podcast. I'm David Tracy. I'm here with Bo Bachman and Jason Torchinski. And hello. It's time to talk about some cars. Uh, We've had a great week uh, on the website, on the Autopian. And uh, we'll talk about some of the stories that we wrote. And. well, and what's coming up next? We got all kinds of fun things happening. We do have a lot of we do have a lot of fun things today. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, tanks. Jason Torchinski drove tanks, multiple um, tanks. That's super cool. Um, we're going to talk about uh, L.A. versus Detroit in terms of car culture. I'm going to be moving to L.A. at some point in the near future, and as someone who's lived in Detroit for a long time, I'm convinced. This is the mecca of car culture. And you know what? I'm sitting across, I'm, I'm looking at two people who disagree, Jason and Bo. I don't think they quite agree, but we'll see. Um, we will see. And then we'll talk about, uh, Jason wants to talk about darts. Quick, what's oh, yeah. darts, Jason? What, darts is that. a um, Latvian builder of ultra luxury SUVs. And he is mega um, luxury. Ridiculous luxury. They're Uber making, yeah, like remember the whale penis leather that was all on the internet? Okay, good enough intro. That is what it's all about. We'll get to that in a second. Whale um, penis leather. That's what it's all about. We're also going to talk about, uh, I took my minivan through Germany's inspection. In fact, uh, the reason why I'm so tired right now, I just got back. Um, German vehicle inspection is insanity. We got to talk about it. 
Wait till you uh, come to California. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, that's what's in store. Let's. Um... And would you rather? We'll end it up with a would you rather. That's the best one. That's what I want to see. Or hear. And we have we'll a special about. guest. Yes. Did you mention yes. our special guest? No, no, but our special guest. Mercedes Streeter, an Woo-hoo. incredible writer and car nut who, who owns, I own a bunch of cars, but I live in suburban Detroit and there's plenty of room out here. She lives in suburban Chicago and I don't know where she lives and it's not, there's not as much space and she owns like 12 cars yeah, and, and a bus, and a bus, a bus. And, a bus. <laughs> and, and these are modern-ish Volkswagens, which I don't understand how she keeps them running. Anyway, no. we'll get to that. No one walks the walk like Mercedes does when it comes yes. to like Very living true. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get started. And who has the most non-running cars? That's what we're going to try to find out today too. That's Oof. right. We'll start with as a percentage basis. We'll start with uh, we'll start with tanks. I think Jason, you just got okay. back. Um, yes. Where'd you go? How many of us have driven a tank, by the way? I I have never driven a tank, so I'm talking wow. from the position of, of wow, wow. Like I'm you think surprised. I should have driven a tank <laughs> by now? Of course, Bo. Like you've that's something everything. normal every young boy has done in their life. Bo, you've driven the craziest cars that people could only dream of driving. I would absolutely assume you've driven a tank by now. Well, it's thanks so for the assumption, but no, never driven a tank. Well, here's the thing: if you want to, Bo, you go to Wisconsin, tiny little town of 675 people. Uh, I can't remember the name exactly. It begins with a K. But you go to drive a tank, and a nice man named Tony will let you drive any number of tanks that he's got. Now, can anyone so- do this? Can our listeners yeah. look this up online and yes, go to this they guy can. and say, I want to drive your he, tank, dude? That's why he had me come out and do it. Because I want to drive a tank.com? What is it? It's driveatank.com. And really? He gets, like, he was, yeah, that's it. <laughs> drive a tank. Up. And people like do like, you know, like bachelor parties. So he'll often his job. He actually revealed to me a lot of his job is babysitting very hungover dudes who want to get in to drive a tank and then end up vomiting, you know, beside a tank, which is almost as good because that happens a lot. But if you want to drive a tank, I really want to be in a really cramped, noisy area that's really hot. Yeah. Bouncy, a lot of diesel exhaust is what you probably want when you're yes, feeling hungover. Exactly. Love the smell. Two-stroke two diesel exhaust. Also, David, mm, you think okay, so also nice David, story. just just so you get a sense of the scale, one of the tanks I drove had a 38 liter engine. 38 wow. liters. That's a massive, massive engine. And some of these engines are they do uh, the op- other kind of opposed cylinder engine where the two pistons come in, share a cylinder two crankshafts and they meet in the middle and the combustion happens oh. between the two cylinders between the two pistons between the i'm sorry yeah between the two pistons inside the yeah. cylinder it's a they're amazing so there's all kinds of technical stuff david you'd love but the, so what i got to do there is i got to drive um and actually if you're really if you know a lot about tanks you realize a lot of the things that look and seem like tanks aren't technically tanks sometimes they're just mobile artillery guns and there's all kinds of classifications so I drove. Okay, so what's a tank? Well, there's a very specific definition, which he does go into. I wish I knew it better, but it has to do with like (laughs) a certain kind of frontline, self-propelled, turreted vehicle that qualifies as a tank. Although, is it? Can it be turreted? I'm trying to think of those early, the very first tanks weren't actually turreted. Well, anyway, anyway. So here's what. Those have rails and things. They have they have you know um you know treads. So I drove a um a armored personnel carrier. Which and that one was interesting because I drove it with the all the hatches down, so you're literally looking through a tiny little window, which was extremely difficult actually. And I drove a um, 
a Chieftain, which is like a giant British tank that I used to drive over a car, a Saturn SL2, the kind with that third door. I just oh, crushed it. Saturn. And, well, I we, we, you know, the, the, the body panels that were plastic actually held it better than you'd think. And then no, I they, drove... they, they, I want to hear about that. Hold, hold on. Because, look, I sold yeah. Saturns. I went back yes. to Saturn before they came out. I was a part of that whole thing. And that yep. was a big deal. We would show off it these was. Saturns, the cutaway car. Part of it was these plastic door panels. That and was we would take them the off and jump up and down yeah. on them and show them that the paint didn't break and, and you didn't wow. have as much body work on a Saturn. It was actually brilliant. And I was so sad when they got away from that. But how did they hold up? What happened? Pretty well. I mean, the car was crushed flat, but the fence, so I basically drove a tread right through the middle of the Saturn, crushing it, you know, roof rails, windshields crushed. But the fenders that I didn't directly crush, like a, on a steel car would have bent or folded. These yeah. mostly were intact, but they did crack. That, because they never, they don't dent, but they do That's crack correct. once you get it correct. past a certain point. But I bet if we compared it head to head with a similar steel car, I think those panels, you would have a better shot of pulling a fender off the crushed by a tank Saturn and putting it on a Saturn and it looking pretty much okay than you would almost anything else. So I think it was Saturn actually pretty ingenious okay. for the time. Oh, yeah, I agree. In my opinion. And I, by the way, just for those listening, we're going to be able to see all of this on a video, correct? You did a yes, we are. We're shooting. The, we got a lot of great footage, including oh, drone footage. Be so cool. You're going to see from overhead crushing the Saturn. We got all kinds of great footage. So also, and hey, we're so going to show this so, on theautopian.com, if I'm not On theautopian.com, a fine yes. website, I'm told. It's, and it, so, so I hear. Dr driving, um, here's okay, another thing. So I was driving a, a Russian T-55 tank. And all these, these tanks are basically... You're, you're driving, you, 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 they're less hard to drive than you think. Um, yeah. Basically, you know, so like you, there's a clutch in the Russian tank that you engage. And basically you've got separate transmissions for each tread side. You're not necessarily breaking the side yeah. that you want to turn into. You're actually kind of adjusting the gearing. So you're putting it into like a lower gear so it goes slower and the outer tread into a higher gear so you like turn this Wow. Way. So, so that would, that's so how you steer like, the yeah. back the backup pickup by the way. When you're going uh, doing wheelies it's the same same principle. Oh, is it the same deal? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah, so, so you so you basically got like a 5 speed, one that runs the the the, the, the treads on one side, one that runs the treads on the other, and you shift the left side into first. And the right side and the third, and you're kind going of. left. Yeah, that's basically the, so the, the way it's. But yeah, but it's simplified in the sense that, like on, on like this Russian tank, you had a clutch, you had a throttle, and you have two sticks. So basically, you push a stick forward, and it's basically the equivalent of like a higher gear, and you pull it back, and it's a lower mm -hmm. gear. So if you want to turn this way, you pull back this and forward this way, and you'll turn this way, and then you kind of add throttle to the whole system. And the clutch is only used because you do have like one main drive line for like going into like neutral first or reverse or whatever to give your overall speeds. But it's uh, it's jerkier than you think in the Russian tank. It's very difficult to get it to do a smooth turn. And of course, a tank is really wide and I'm driving it in these little very wooded paths behind, you know, like in this large area that they have. And I, I was sitting over like your head is out. And there's the turret with the big gun and I'm sitting in there and I was saw the big gun over here and I didn't quite process just how much more tank there was beyond that gun. <laughs> and I knocked over a tree, like a huge 25 foot, uh, you like over a tree? I ran over a tree. I didn't realize how wide I was and I was in a, on the thing and I whacked into this tree and then this huge tree just went wonk. And then he was like, oh, just keep driving. So we just drove over Did they it. call the local arborist? 
No, they couldn't be saved. Oh, well, I, I, I actually have a, uh, a cutting, so I could try to – I told him I'll try to grow it as a sapling and replace it. But I, I did So what was the main over. difference between a, like a, how a Russian tank drives and how a British tank drives? And no so, American, right? Just those two? You no. Know, so you can't get – so it's hardest to get American hardware. They just won't sell it. So almost everything he has is either British or Russian. Okay. Um, the British tank was actually a little bit smoother uh, in the way it moved. And the Russian tanks are very simple. In fact, on the treads themselves, there's like a pin that holds in the different uh, plates of the treads. And the pin only has like a flat part on one side. So it kind of starts to work itself out as it runs. But built into the body of the tank is something that pushes the pins back in as the tread comes up and over. Huh. Like the lifespan of a tank, he was saying, is only about 46 minutes in battle. So these things aren't really necessarily built for longevity as such they're they, really? they don't live that long normally so you're not really huh. wasting your time or money it's more efficient to crank out a bunch of them than to make them really well which is a hard thing to wrap your head around that, oh, i'd never even thought about it that way before that's crazy now my biggest concern if i was driving a tank would be how to get a good cup of tea did any of them deal with that I'm glad you asked that bo because that of course is a big factor the british factor. did develop specifically a way to cook tea in a tank and it's called the um what did they call it they call it it's called like the boil like a boiling vessel or something so i've read about this before and i just think it's the most charming thing in the context of a tank i could imagine because during world war ii they actually got in some trouble sometimes because they get out of their tanks to, to boil tea because that's like a necessity for the british troops so the british army developed a cubicle boiling vessel that is specifically, they call it, it's for rations and things also, but it's really for making tea inside a tank. And luckily, Tony, the guy who runs uh, Drive a Tank, I asked him about this and he had one and we got to, actually got to see and hold it. Yes. Just, oh, I've never like about, seen this. It's amazing. Bo, it's so amazing. It's like about this Kill big. Me. It's a tidy little unit. It has like an inner like bucket that comes out and then there's like a volume in there for the water. But it's it's a tea kettle designed for fighting use. And apparently it's in all British Army fighting vehicles that, that is just brilliant wow. it's just amazing brilliant. yeah that is one of my and we go into the etymology of the word tank too which is interesting also which oh, is, oh, it, i'm looking forward to it we got to save something for the video right we'll save it but yeah it's uh it's a, it's good we drove a lot of tanks it's a lot of fun and a lot of some unexpected stuff so you know look for it on the that sounds amazing how cool i want to drive a tank so do i you can bo that's all an right, achievable well. dream all right Tor torch we got to since we're talking about sort of bizarre, big machines, yes. we should talk about darts. They don't make tanks, but they no. make tank-like machines Close. in some ways. Yeah. All right. So darts is a... Um, yeah, D-A-R-T-Z, right? Usually yes. all caps. Okay. They're a Latvian company. For those uh, following at home. They make SUVs, very opulent SUVs. The most you, most people have heard of them because they made an SUV that used whale penis leather. And that made all the news back in like 2009 because it was but whale penis Did you penis talk leather. to him about where he came up with that by any chance? Um, or how he found it? I haven't, no, I haven't asked about that. No, it, my theory is that uh, they're Jewish whales and these were just, you know, circumcision <laughs> by products over. after he got invited to a whale bris and they were just wondering, he sees this massive amount of, you know, we, we've dealt I, with I a lot of different that. leathers here at Galpin. I've tried experimenting yeah. with some things. We even did like a salmon leather before. We've done, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other unusual ones. But, you know, 
penis leathers. This is this, this is a whole you know category. The whale penis. I've seen are frog skins and you know all kinds of things, but you know penis is new. Penis, I think you know it's designed to appeal to a certain um, you know kind of machismo market where you want to be sitting on penis leather. I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure, well, but my guess is um, it only takes one penis for the entire chair too. Yeah, right? there's substantial. Whale penis. I would <laughs> yeah. think yeah, yeah. It, it, I think you Very can probably efficient. do most of the interior of a car with one whale penis. Um, so yeah, so that's what they're known for. They make very opulent stuff, gold plated. They had a bulletproof baby seat for a while. It's sort of tongue in cheek, but the stuff is built to a pretty high standard. And uh, the guy who runs it's a guy named Leonard Leonard Yankovic, and he's um, he's great. Uh, George, 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 crazy. You gotta, so what's George. it based on? What's the what's the vehicle Platforms? underneath? Uh, they vary a lot. He uses all kinds okay. of things. But Torch, I think you're yeah. I think you're chronically underselling this. Like maybe this I am. is these are this th- these are not just like these are beyond opulent. This yes. is this is like yeah, we're talking. Are. Imagine o- opulent and ostentatious and 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 just flashy and just wild and beyond what you could even fathom. Like it is. Yeah, this is like if Larry Flint really went for it. This right. this would be the truck. The act for of those Scrooge who know Larry McDuck Flint diving into the pile of money. The yes. act of that Scrooge McDuck that if you translated that feeling into a car, the darts would be close to that feeling because it's all about I I am wealthy far beyond anything you can imagine and just no expense paid and no taste. Taste does not get no taste. No, no. But in Leonard a good way, no taste. Oh no, it's it, there's a point where it becomes so far beyond tasteless that it wraps around again to be just fun. Yes, and exactly. Yeah. It, it's on purpose he's, bad, right? Yeah, no, he knows what he's doing. This is yeah. not, this is different than some nouveau riche guy showing up in something stupid. This is someone so far beyond giving a shit that they're just enjoying every penny of that. <laughs> I'm laughing at it. This and they're known for it. And so yes. they make, they make movie props as well, right? That and, and, A lot of movie props. And their props are all oh, about okay. taking items and just going, just basically cranking it up to 11 on wait is that how they started was a prop company or how did they get started he was a car customizer from way back when because he showed me some stuff he's made like back in the 80s he has this great beetle that he made called froggy which actually they have a new version of based on that um that chinese ev that was really popular uh but they have like a version of that that was just in the news so they're doing um anyway torch why are we talking about darts it's because because the new Austin Powers movie that hasn't officially been admitted to being made. Dr. Evil's chair was designed by darts and built by a colleague of theirs. And it is mostly car parts. And it is. So you're hearing it here on the Atopian for the first time in Hollywood. We are announcing that we know of the Austin Powers movie. What do they call the next movie? They're just calling it Austin Powers finding the chair. This is fantastic. Well, we 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 know about the alleged chair. Alleged, Alleged. yes, that's correct. Yes, alleged. The alleged chair of this allegedly upcoming Austin Powers movie. There's a lot of allegedly will be for Doctor Evil, and allegedly has a seat made of European license plates, and there's intake manifolds for the armrests. You got to see this seat. Go go to theautopian.com because it's. It is a seat that's made of car parts, and it is—it's just a, ridiculous. A great shot yeah. of Doctor Evil in that too. Yeah, there, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's the kind of thing that uh, hopefully we darts. can bring it up here to show everybody who's yeah, listening or can, can watch it. But at it's home. yeah, it's like a swivel chair because you have to have a swivel chair if you're an evil villain because you have to do the rotate around with your pet, and you it, know it, mm-hmm. that you, like the swivel part is there's no choice. So 
it's uh, it's fun. And just knowing that Darts is doing this is just makes it uh, even better. And we like we were talking earlier. When, when are we getting him on the show? He's we got to get him. We got to yeah. get he, Leonard. He will do it uh, in a heartbeat. He, he Does he ever come it. to so, America? I don't know. If, I, I haven't known. I wouldn't be shocked if he's not allowed to come into America <laughs> or something he's done. In the, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to find that out. But as far as I know, I don't know. But we should uh, talk to him about that. Yeah. Or we should just go to Latvia and check out his uh, his, his setup there because I imagine it's amazing. Well, next time I'm in Latvia. Yes, yeah. for sure, though. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get him on. But he's an amazing guy to talk to. And, yeah, I, I think they're a lot of fun. Darts okay, cool. I'm going to um, bring up something that uh, is kind of random, but we wrote about it this week. It's about old school air conditioning on cars. It was a story that went up this week. And I wonder, Bo, if you have any experience with those swamp coolers. Have you ever had a car with those? Or you've seen those, right? Those I uh, Well, I, I had like a vague recollection of them. But no, seeing that was like, oh, yeah, the old swamp cooler, you know, add to the window. No, we didn't do those or have that. Uh, we were we actually were pretty good at doing air conditioning back in the day. But that's another story. But uh, you no, know, we never sold those. I thought that was really kind of ingenious how they worked. But tell us Absolutely. about brilliant. Okay. I'm going yeah, yeah, I will. I will share a screen, um, uh, and we can look at it. But I, uh, for for people who can't see, um, the way these things work is incredibly simple, uh, uh, but also not. It's simple when you look at the components that make this thing up. So hold on, let me share my screen. These are big in the VW community, by the way. VW Beetle, like people with vintage Beetles, love to show them with like a huge roof rack and one of these swamp coolers. They like they have a following. So yeah. before the refrigerant-based air conditioning systems that you're all used to, right? You're all used to, you turn the AC on on your car and you you might hear like a little relay or something. You hear the, the clutch in your air conditioning compress compressor uh, activate. And maybe if you're Jason or, or well, probably Bo, uh, you have a car that has so little power that uh, yeah. when you turn the AC on, you feel the jerk because you just lost like- <laughs> My pal, you know, my pal, it's like a speed break. You literally, <laughs> like I, I actually feel guilty putting it on because it's, oh, it, it takes such a toll, but yes. So that's what you're used to. So, so you've got a compressor that's run by the internal combustion engine via a belt and- um, and then you've got a condenser in the front and you've got an evaporator under the dash. And it's all about expanding and compressing this refrigerant. Um, and the refrigerant has to be, you know, uh, installed by a professional because it's bad for, you know, whatever chlorofluorocarbons. Anyway, it doesn't matter because back in the day, they didn't have any of this fancy stuff. Air conditioning wasn't really a thing. Like you just pop open the quarter, the vent windows. Like that was yeah. air conditioning back in the day or you rolled the windows down. Um, or maybe back then, I, older cars had, you know, like crotch vents. You know, they were thoughtful about bench place, uh, vent placement. But if you could not stand the heat, even what, with all what's the, the crotch vent. Now, now you got me thinking about crotches. Why, why did you well, go they, there? They don't think about my swampy crotch as I'm driving down <laughs> no, the street. At, well, you, I mean, honestly, most people are. A lot of people are thinking about their swampy crotch if yeah. it's really hot. And it's a problem. And And what I love is a lot of. A lot of automakers, including American Motors, had a vent right below the steering column. Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah. Um, well, groin. right there, it was it was a straight up groin cooler. Like that's what it was for, and it makes sense. 
Um, and I think if I recall, uh, someone came to us at our previous employer, Jason, and asked us to put out a survey on whether there's demand for a crotch. Yeah, I remember that. It was like a PR company or like an actual automaker was asking about it, if I remember. Oh, wow. And I think I think, to, there, I think we were everybody was pro crotch vents. And crotch vents, even so, like even the ones that are integrated in the dash, be even that? before then, like in in 1952, Beatles had a very specific crotch vent right behind the front fenders. And like the mail, don't mail jeeps have like a little crotch level vent that used to open up? No, the postal David, jeeps have the little flaps that you kick with your feet in it, just sort of scoops but, it from the outside. It doesn't go to the crotch. It kind of doesn't go to the crotch. Well, it goes to the legs. Anyway, okay, enough about the crotch. The point is the simplest form of, of staying cool of course is getting convection via windows and whatnot but if you still couldn't ha couldn't, couldn't handle that back in the day what you'd get is what, what's now called a swamp cooler or an evaporative cooler it was basically this big cylinder that you'd clamp onto your window your passenger side window and it really is incredibly simple the the innards it's basically just like a, a big um cylindrical filter or like a uh, or rag it's like a cylinder yeah, what are we looking at here so okay so there's a cylinder that okay. is a, a, a absorb it's a material that will absorb water so um, this is so something just for those who can't see it's hanging off of the windshield or window yeah. excuse me yep. so you roll it up and it's sticking kind of out of the window but it's still in because you rolled it up so it stays in there yeah, and, and now it's like the sin yeah. it's like a singular sin singular that's not a word it's cylindrical yeah <laughs> it, it, it's like okay so you've got a, a you've got it's a, a cylinder that's um wedged into your passenger side window um there's an intake so that the the front of the cylinder is the intake uh, for the air and then the air travels through the cylinder and through this um it's it's just like a cylindrical uh sponge inside the cylinder and then the air comes out the side of the cylinder and into the car so it goes into the front passes over the sponge and then comes in out the side and into the car and the sponge and, is um, wet right the sponge yeah, is so the water sponge, so. you so keep the it, it moist yeah so you mm -hmm. fill the cylinder with with water and there's a little string that hangs into the car there's a little there's a little string that somewhere that you just pull and when you pull the string it dips it rotates the sponge and uh it, it gets it wet again so it, it dips it into and makes sure that you want the sponge to be wet so that the air that passes over it you know, it's passing over a wet sponge. Now, here's the thing. You might be thinking, okay, so hot air passes over a wet sponge. Okay, that seems pretty simple. That'll, but that's only going to work if the sponge is colder than the hot air, right? Like, you might think once the water gets the same temperature as the air, how is that going to get any cooler? And yeah, how, that, David? Well, it's evaporative cooling. So, it, it basically... And there's a steam table in our article because we had, because of course I, I had a, an engineer write. I love this. how thorough uh, this is. Yeah, yeah. Robert, uh, Robert wrote this. Did a great job. There's a steam table in here. The point is, um, it takes energy to evaporate water. So you've got this hot air coming from outside. It's going over this wet sponge, and even if the sponge is the same temperature, um, the sponge, the, the water will start to evaporate, and it will pull energy out of the air cooling it so um that's you know that's really can what i try this with a sponge at home you uh well you have to make sure that you have some air flowing over the the sponge but yeah theoretically you could you could make your own 
So you can anyway, blow have you guys sponge. ever experienced this and feel the cold air coming out of it? Does it work? I've actually never felt it. I'm very curious. It only okay, works. We got to try to find one of these things and actually do this for real. That, that's got to be a goal. And for maybe if anyone out yeah. there is, actually knows where one of these are, we can find it. Uh, does, do you know where one is? We gotta, I want to try this. Oh, you can buy them on eBay. Yeah. Old school, uh, um, old school swamp coolers. And yeah, I want to see how cool they are too. Uh, I'm very yeah. curious. But it only okay. works if you're driving. It does like if you're sitting in traffic and there's no air passing over it, it's not going to work. Yeah, okay. Well, this is a, a if you had an electric fan, could you blow use an electric fan to blow air through and still have it be cooled? You could. Like you should, yeah, you right? could. You could. Yeah. All right, let's find one of these things and and put it to the test. Yeah, let's try. Okay. It out. So there's our, you know, just our little little bit of tech today. Um now we need to talk about um well, I'm moving to Los Angeles at some point in the next at some point when we keep hearing these things get I, I, I want to go the soon. moving you know truck what? sitting outside here's the problem patiently i have 10 cars and um i got one space. in la now too you got well okay so here okay what's the best way to move 10 well first off i'm not going to bring all 10 cars because that would That's be a good idea we got yeah. shitty cars out here you can buy right totally <laughs> yeah, or be yeah. given there are certain vehicles that i just can't get rid of like because i just i, I just love them too much i agree with so that. the the question is, what would be a better call? Should we just have a convoy of my vehicles and just enlist you guys and some other people in just a road trip of shit boxes across the country? Or no, take like three or, or four weeks. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Or do we try to get one of those um, car haulers and see if we can get like a Ram 3500 or a Ford F350 or whatever? And and because I've always been curious, what what's it like? It? To, yeah, to, that would be the ultimate test of these heavy duty trucks. You know, we review cars on the Autopian. We review trucks. A truck towing like thirteen thousand pounds worth of cars behind it would be. I bet awesome. we could convince. Like, uh, I bet I bet Mike Levine would love to see the publicity from F one fifty towing one of those things, David. I bet you could no, convince someone. It, it, it might have to be like a five fifty or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, or a, a Maverick. <laughs> you try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so you know, I have a couple of concerns uh about you know leaving Detroit. Um one of them is the car culture, which here the car culture in Detroit is unbelievable. I mean, this there's this, of course you've all heard about Woodward Avenue. It is as great as they say it is. You go out there on any given warm day, like Thursday night, Friday night, whatever. Go out there, pull up a, a lawn chair, and you'll see entire families, kids, moms, dads, sitting on the side of that road for hours, just looking at the cars traveling up and down. And it's like everyone has a tie to the auto industry. You know, people will tell you crazy stories. That's oh, my, true. My dad used to work over at AMC, and he did this and that, and we used to rebuild engines together. And it's like, it's incredible. The car culture here is amazing. But I've also heard this thing about L.A. But is it different? Is it better? I, actually, okay, here's, I think, a difference. All right. Now, I lived in L.A. about 20 years. Bo's lived there longer, so he's going to have maybe a different experience. But here's the thing I noticed about L.A. compared to Detroit. Detroit's car culture is fantastic. I totally agree. L.A.'s got a much broader variety of cars, and they're just yes. around. For example, when I lived in L.A., just not at car shows, just on the street. I used to work at a place where parked daily on the street was a Fossil Vega. 
like an inc- you'll have to Google it for people who don't know, an incredibly rare car. On my street by my house, there was a Lancia. There was a guy with a 356. These are just cars that are driven. I had a Reliant Scimitar. There was uh, like a checker, like checker marathons. There was a place where I knew there were like multiple Fiat X19s. Uh, there were a Lancia Aprilia. Like you would just make this map, Citroëns, like everything ended up in LA at some point because people would import all kinds of stuff. And, and there's literally like a thing. GM future liner that was parked behind our local Cadillac dealership. Remember that? I, I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I remember that. It was there for 20 years. It was crazy. Wait, wait, the, the car wait, from wait, Damnation wait, wait, wait. Alley. What do you mean, remember what do you mean future the, liner? What, what is the, the, liner? the custom thing they made for like in the 50s, the double decker bus thing? It just oh. ended up there. But you get movie The one that sold for four million, and everyone freaked out. Yeah, one was just you, randomly oh. parked in the back of a street forever. Do you remember in Burbank on um, Barham Boulevard? The Landmaster from that movie, Damnation Alley. It was like this massive custom truck thing oh. that had these trios of three with the, wheels. With the nine wheels. Yeah, that yeah, was Gene, like, Dean Jeffrey's shop. Yeah. Oh, that was his shop. Because, okay, yeah. I remember driving by there all the time. And it was Absolutely. just like, I was there again for decades. That was so, so cool to see every day. I miss Dean right. Jeffries. And so, like, LA just had. One of the, one of the greatest customizers of all time, by the way. Oh, Dean Jeffries. did Jeffrey the Green Hornet and Monkey Mobile, all kinds yeah. of great things. So, like, when you're talking about families go out on, like, a, on nice days and there's all these cars everywhere, that's just life in LA. You just, people daily drive things that you just can't imagine. And they're just out there. And then you have like the motor bookstore in Burbank where people every Fantastic. weekend will show up with all kinds of crazy stuff. Like the, the owners drive like a traction of Vaughn and it's always in the parking lot. And any day so, you show up there, someone's bringing something amazing. So we have, a similar, we have a similar thing every Saturday morning at a toy store here called Past Diners. The who's who of the automotive world shows up there and... The cars you th- see there are just nuts. You will see d- car designers, engineers, executives just hanging out, sipping coffee Saturday morning. Just and it's like, uh, I, you know, obviously Detroit's going to have more industry folks, even though there's you know more starting to head west. It seems, but um, we're going to have the industry folks and people associated with with the industry. You you know you've got weather, you've got no rust. Um, no rust is a big deal. Stuff and survives that, out. There. And that is big. Yeah. But you, my biggest thing that that I'm trying that I'm gonna have to fi- that I'm gonna find out is I always see Detroit car culture. There, I I almost see like think the car cultures can be like almost like um, represented by the main car shows, like Detroit car culture, Woodward, West Coast car culture, Pebble Beach, and. I don't know it's if it's representative. It's an extreme, yeah. Yeah, that's not all like, Pebble Beach. You, like, but, not, but my you point don't is... have to be rich in LA to enjoy the car culture. Is There's... that true? true? Is that yes. true? Yeah, I was yes. rich and I was involved and I had an interesting but car. And what I about today? Like, what about today? Like, can you get, you know, a cheap, interesting car out there and operate it and get it through emissions? And you were given one, David. You were literally that's, given that's one true. for free. As long as it's pre 74, you're in great shape. Yeah. Yeah, pre seventy four, you know, no smog. David, for, just to fill everyone in, got a Nash Metropolitan. Someone gave him. That is true. And, like, Very that generous. That stuff exists. And, like, and by you, the way, what what is better or worse? I don't know that one's better than the other. It's what you're individually into, right? I mean, certainly you're, you're right. Detroit. It's a it, yeah. it's the Motor City. But Detroit's they, great they, too. Absolutely. The, everybody there has a connection to the car business, so therefore. 
Yes, if you said on a per capita basis, is there more car culture in Detroit? Maybe, because you only get a fraction of right. people here in Los Angeles that are into cars. But people out here that are into cars are really into cars, and the variety is much, much more spread out. Yeah. I think there's more of an open mind uh, on, uh, on on what kind of cars we dig and accept. And uh, also there's just the variety because now, you know, out here in LA, uh, we got everything from low riding and customs and, you know. The Japanese um, car culture out there oh, is, absolutely. You know, has been has been strong since like the 60s in a way 60s. that it's only more recently like been picking up everywhere else. Like that stuff's great. The low rider culture that uh, Bo just talked about, like you won't find better paint anywhere. Like that's the right. work that's done on those is like art. And you can go to Griffith Park on a Saturday and just randomly there'll be like three of them sitting there and they're astoundingly good. Like, and then I mean, there's all kinds of subcultures. And this is probably the car uh, customizing capital of the world. Yeah. I mean, because, and that has a lot to do with the weather. As uh, you know, remember uh, George Barris in an interview was talking to a guy from the East Coast and they could only work on their cars, you know, when it's nice. And right. out here, it was, you know, literally uh, 365 days a year almost, you know. So it's. Remember uh, um, Paul Greenstein's shop, David, when we went to Paul Greenstein's place? The guy with all the Tatras and the uh, he's got an original unrestored Chrysler Airflow that he drives like things like that. It can exist in L.A. also like Paul has a really unusual eclectic collection, but he drives them. He makes them work. And he has friends who have similar collections like all of that exists. in it. you're not going to be giving up. You, you'll be going to a different car culture. Certainly. It's different. I don't think you're going to be giving anything up. To be totally honest. I am nothing but excited. To be like, you know, obviously I got to represent Detroit and it's going to be different. But if you're a car person and you've experienced car culture somewhere to be going somewhere else that has a strong car culture, it's just going to be the amount of just stuff I'm going to learn about cars out there that I haven't seen. It's going to be epic. I'm pumped okay. for it. Yeah, this, this place is great. I mean, you're okay. I, I have to admit, you're like the first person I've talked to in a long time that's moving to LA and not out of LA. Yeah. The truth is, LA is a fabulous, unbelievably fantastic, wonderful, wonderful city. Uh, California is, I think, the most gorgeous place on earth, literally. Uh, yes, we have absolutely insane crazy government that makes no sense and and it's idiotic and it can drive everyone crazy so you just ignore all that and just enjoy the cars <laughs> and you know you gotta you gotta plug your nose when you're paying your taxes but other than that it's a great place yeah i mean it's not gonna be cheap david your, your no. cost of living is definitely gonna be up i mean la is more, more recently just it's expensive and not easy it's a pain in the ass to get around too sometimes yeah I, i'm concerned about you that. gotta have a car out here uh, I got no public I, I, transportation. None of that. The fact that I got a car for free, I'm pretty pumped about. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm already making some, some, some strategic moves on that front. And a great car too. Super. Cool. It is a good. Have you checked it out, Bo? Have you walked over and seen it yet? Just barely. Not, I haven't it's gone okay, through yeah. it yet. It, it looks appropriately awful in a great way. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining us this week uh, on the Utopia Podcast. We <laughs> mentioned that we were going to talk about. German inspection in my incredible diesel van. We are going to discuss that with our next guest, Mercedes Streeter. We're pumped to have her on. <laughs>